The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short and I'm joined here by Drew Silva as we continue our position breakdown series. Actually, we're wrapping up our rankings in this episode and it's all about pitchers, both starters and relievers. We covered all the hitters at their various positions in previous weeks, so go back in our archives to check that out if you haven't already. Obviously, a ton to cover with these pitchers I've been doing a ton of research all week while bouncing in and out of various drafts I'm in at the moment. So pretty fun to be thinking hard about all these pitchers while also drafting some of them. Uh, and speaking of drafts, the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide magazine is on shelves now. There's also the online edition of the Draft Guide, which will be continuously updated through the start of the regular season. A ton of good stuff in there. Uh, and just a little bonus for listening today, you can get 20% off all of our premium products by going to rotoworld.com slash win. Again, that's rotoworld.com slash win. Drew, I'll bring you into this now. Before we get started with the pitchers, I know we have a, a, a live draft coming up. Uh, with the We have some Yahoo folks coming in. Uh, that's another thing people can check out. Yeah, the second annual uh, Roto World Live Fantasy Baseball Draft uh, broadcast live on YouTube, Twitch, the NBC Sports app at NBCSports.com. This is coming up on March 10th. Um, so depending on when you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you can you can catch it. Um, and it's going to be, yeah, you you and me and Yahoo's Andy Barons and Scott Pianowski picking against eight lucky Roto World MLB Draft Guide users for a 12-team standard scoring league. And we're actually going to play the league out this year, I think, cool. which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so sign up for the Draft Guide today. You've got to be in there by March 5th uh, to get an entry. If you subscribe to the season pass, you get even more chances of winning a spot. Um, So, again, that's March 10th. It'll be broadcast at noon Eastern time. Um, So sign up for the draft guide. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be up there together uh, in Stamford, Connecticut, for the live draft broadcast with Ahmed Farid and uh, the Yahoo guys. And, And to put all this research and draft prep, hopefully, to some good use. I mean, the whole idea is, is just to kind of put it in a like fly on the wall. Like just imagine you're just sitting in and watching some buddies have a draft. I mean, that's kind of how I see it. And, and hopefully it'll come off that way. I think it'll be a great time. Uh, oh, and other thing I wanted to add, a programming note. I'm going to be on the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast next week uh, with Scott Pianowski. We're recording on Monday. Uh, so it'll probably be out you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. So keep an eye out for that as well as we get ready for this draft. 
Um, so big developments this week, uh, Luis Severino having Tommy John surgery. Uh, so that will obviously impact our starting pitcher list, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Chris Sale starting the year on the injured list. So our, our lists are current and we'll account for that. Also, Griffin Canning uh, set for an MRI on his elbow. Doesn't sound particularly promising. Uh, he was in my top 60 uh, leading into today, but I've now bumped him off because uh, hopefully it's not like a Tommy John surgery thing, but who knows? It doesn't doesn't really sound great. So with all that out of the way, uh, Drew, do you want to read your, I guess, should we do top 20 to read off or should we yeah. do it? Whatever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do top 20. All right. Um, and then we'll just, we'll break it all down. We're, so we're going to do relievers second. Yes. Um, we might go through those a little faster. I think got we a lot will. Of, I think we yeah. will. After what happened last year with like Blake Trinan and Edwin Diaz at the top of the board and, you know, everything crumbled. So I don't know. It, we're going to spend time on it, but not as much time as starting pitchers. That's for sure. Yep. All right. Here we go. Here's my top 20. Number one, Garrett Cole. Two, Jacob deGrom. Three, Justin Verlander. Four, Max Scherzer. Five, Walker Bueller. Six, Jack Flaherty. Seven, Shane Bieber. Eight, Steven Strasburg. Nine, Charlie Morton. Uh, Ten, Blake Snell. Eleven, Clayton Kershaw. Twelve, Chris Sale. (laughs) We'll talk about him a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thirteen, Chris Paddock. Fourteen, Luis Castillo. 15, Lucas Giolito, 16, Aaron Nola, 17, Patrick Corbin, 18, Mike Clevenger, some more injury issues there, uh, 19, Zach Granke, and 20, you Darvish. All right. We do have some differences of, of, of opinion. It starts right at the top. I have DeGrom, one, Cole, two. I have uh, Verlander, four, and Scherzer, three. Uh, Bueller is five, Flaherty, six, Shane Bieber, seven, Steven Strasburg, eight, Blake Snell, Nine, Mike Clevenger, 10. I didn't knock him too much uh, with the injury. Patrick Corbin, I have a little higher at 11. Kershaw, 12. Luis Castillo, 13. You Darvish, 14. Really buying in on that second mm-hmm. half. Uh, yeah. Chris Sale, I have 15th. Uh, Charlie Morton, I have 16th. I know you're you're really high on him. I am too, actually. Uh, but you're you're he's in your top 10. I think he was ninth, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Chris Paddock, I have 17. Tyler Glass, now I actually have 18th. Lucas Giolito. Oh, ni- I like that. I'm <laughs> jealous. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, Lucas Giolito, 19. And Aaron Nola, who I'm a little down on this year, I have at 20. But still a top 20 pitcher for me. Yeah, so I, I mean, I agree with you at the top that there isn't a huge difference between Cole and DeGrom. And I think you're, you're going to expect a better ERA even from DeGrom. Yeah. Um, 2.05 ERA over his last 64 starts, dating back to the beginning of 2018. Uh, and the strikeouts are there too. Back to back NL Cy Young Award winner. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if the Mets got him some run support. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a 10 and 9 record in 2018, 11 and 8 record in 2019. But pitcher wins are what they are as a stat. You know, you can't really project them. And he can certainly challenge for 20 wins this year uh, if he continues to pitch like he has the last two years. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> For some reason, it seems every time he pitches the Mets, don't know how to score runs. Uh, yeah. You know, I look up and it's either 2-1, the Mets are leading, or 2-1, the Mets are losing, uh, and Jacob deGrom starts. But, I mean, you really can't question, you know, what he what he's done over the past two years. Uh, Ratio is basically the same from 2018 to 2019. Actually, I had a higher K per nine, uh, 255 strikeouts in 204 innings to lead the National League. And 
you know what I mean? It came down to DeGrom's in the easier league, gets to face the pitcher. Cole switching over to Yankee Stadium. You know, historic strikeout total. And, and just looking from the Yankees' perspective now, like, he better be great. <laughs> you know, yeah. with the with the rotation uh, questions they have going into the year now, James Paxton sidelined as well. Uh, Domingo Herman uh, still has to finish out that suspension. Uh, so a lot of questions in the Yankees' rotation. So, man, there's going to be high expectations on Cole from the jump. Yeah, I mean, Cole is, you know, the consensus number one in, in standard drafts right now. He's the only starter going in the first round of every standard draft on Yahoo. Though we have seen some Jacob DeGrom go in the first round in some of those. Um, but yeah, signed that big record-breaking nine-year $324 million deal with the Yankees in December. Also was reportedly pursued by the, the Angels and Dodgers and connected to the Giants at one point. Those all would have been probably better pitching environments than Yankee Stadium. Um, but I, I, you know, and I, I think he's not going to reap I don't know, might not repeat the 2.50 ERA, uh, but the whip should be elite. Uh, the strikeout should be elite. The wins total should be elite. Um, entering his age 29 season. For me, he's the top fantasy ace on the board, but these guys are really close. They're, they're a few spots in a, in a draft a, a, apart from me. So just for the record, I, I had the fifth number five pick in the, one of the TG FBI leagues. I'm mm-hmm. in league four. Uh, and I picked fifth, and I took Jacob DeGrom, fifth overall in that league. Um, Steve Gardner from USA Today is in there. You know, a bunch of other people. Uh, Ian, Ian Kahn from The Athletic. Uh, Doug Anderson from Fantrax. Uh, Jesse Roche from The Dynasty Guru. So some good people in there. Uh, man, I just I just love what DeGrom's done, not only just the past two years, but his whole career. Obviously, he's taken it to a different level, but... You know, in a 15-team league like that, I think it gave me a really good advantage to start out with an ace like that. So maybe a little bit bold, but, um, you know, I really have faith in, in what he can do this year. Yeah, I don't think it's too bold. He's been just the ERA and the strikeouts are there and just really needs the wins total, which is, you know. it's Variable, so, variable, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had Verlander three. Is that where you had him? Uh, I have Verlander four and Scherzer three, so just flip-flopped. Yeah, Um I'll just get into Verlander. I mean, actually won the 2019 AL Cy Young Award over now former teammate Garrett Cole, um, which I honestly kind of forgot about. Yeah, same here. <laughs> gone on in Astros land over the last few months. Yeah. But yeah, this is a pitcher's podcast, so we're, we're not talking about sign stealing again. Mm-hmm. Um, Verlander did make one more start than Cole during the 2019 season, had one more win, 29 or 21 wins to lead all MLB pitchers. And, 0.80 whip, uh, the best in the league, 2.58 ERA, 300 strikeouts and 223 innings. Incredible stuff at age 36. Uh, he did just turn 20 or 37 years old on February 20th. Uh, so we'll see how long he can keep this pace, but I, I think he'd probably be a fool to doubt him at this point. Um, he did get scratched from his Grapefruit League debut uh, this past week due to groin discomfort, but he threw a simulated game instead in a more controlled environment and said he felt great so i think i think he'll be the opening day starter for the astros scherzer i guess fits in a similar bucket i guess the only difference is that uh you know verlander wasn't dealing with a a back strain like the whole second half last year that that really lingered for scherzer into the postseason you know turns 36 in july you know the hurt huge workload over the years uh 
had 172 and a third innings last year. First time he missed 200 innings since 2012. But, you know, when he was on the mound, he was still great. Uh, 292 ERA, uh, his best strikeout rate ever in his whole career. Uh, you know, best walk rate since 2015. Uh, you know, so when he was out there on the mound, he was still great. Um, and, you know, this wasn't, or at least, you know, they were saying that this wasn't like a structural back issue with Scherzer. Um, it was more just of a, you know, as a strain. Uh, so there's that. And also it's not an arm issue or anything like that. So, you know, a little riskier than he's been in the past, which is why he's bumped down to number three for me and number four for you. But, you know, National League, again, gets to face the pitcher. You know, you're going to be feeling good about him if you get him in a draft. Yeah, and he's about to make his second Grapefruit League start already on Thursday night. This is February 27th when we're recording this, when some guys haven't even debuted yet. True. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that makes you feel good about the, the neck and back issues not lingering into, into the 2020 season. Um, we both we both had Walker Bueller fifth. Yeah, that's right. And, and to be clear, do you think there's a there's sort of like it goes one, two, and then there's a gap and then three, four, and then there's a gap. Like that's kind of how yeah. I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And Walker Bueller and Jack Flaherty were super close for me. Same. Uh, as I was making out these rankings, I think you could almost flip a coin. Maybe you could flip a coin with the Grom and Cole and Verlander and Scherzer too. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Bueller and Flaherty, kind of the young rising aces in baseball. Bueller's going 18th overall right now in the average Yahoo league. Flaherty's at 21.7 ADP. Um, I think with Bueller, we, we will finally get to see him top 200 plus innings this year. Yeah. Uh, the, Do- the Dodgers have kind of brought him along slowly in the early part of his career. And he did not have a sub three ERA last year. It was 3.26, but he's certainly capable of that um, with, with the reins off him. 10.6 K for nine, exactly the same as Flaherty's uh, with Flaherty throwing 14 more innings last season. Flaherty had the edge in whip. Bueller had the edge in wins. And I expect Bueller to have the edge in wins again with the Dodgers looking far better to me at this point than the Cardinals. Bueller's 25 years old. Flaherty's 24. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like a we report, you decide type situation. <laughs> with Flaherty, I mean, the second half he had last year. I mean, if you remember going to the All-Star break, he's kind of disappointing. And we were mm-hmm. all kind of wondering why. I mean, 4-6-4 ERA going into the break. And then after that, he was like the best pitcher in baseball. <laughs> 0-9-1 ERA in 15 starts after the break. 124 strikeouts, 23 walks in 99 in the third innings. And you look at, you know, strikeout rate, walk rate, swinging strike rate. It all checks out with Flaherty and also really made progress with his control last year, which was really the big one for me. Uh, so to me, he's right on the verge of, you know, joining that, you know, upper crust of fantasy aces. Yeah, throws four pitches, really mature approach, just a bulldog. And Yadier Molina behind the plate, I think, is valuable, at least for another year. Bush Stadium in St. Louis is a tough place for hitters. And the Cardinals had the top-ranked defense in baseball last season, and there are very few changes to their roster leading into 2020, for better or worse. I I think Flaherty (laughs) is is, can improve on what he did down the stretch. Well, I don't know if he can improve on a zero-point 9-1 9-1 ERA. Just be more consistent. That's all yeah, he needs right. to do. Just, just more consistent across the board for sure. Yeah. Um, I had Shane Bieber at, at seven. Same um, Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like it. As far as young aces go, and we, we just talked about Bueller and Flaherty, I, I think Bieber isn't really too far behind those guys. 
um, was an elite control pitching prospect in the minors and then started missing bats with a fury last season, his first full major league season, 259 strikeouts and 214 in a third innings, uh, 3.28 ERA, 1.05 whip. I think that ERA can drop further, uh, throws four pitches with great control over all of them. Fastball slider combo was tremendous last season. Uh, and he found some some velocity on his slider last year, became more of a power slider for him. Uh, 24 years old, turns 25 on May 31st. Um, should be more durable for the Indians than Corey Kluber was toward the end of his tenure there in Cleveland, and Mike Clevenger has been lately. And Bieber, you know, we saw his debut season. Obviously, he was known for his excellent control, but you know, pitched up the switched up his pitch mix a bit, you know, incorporating more of the sliders and curveballs, changeups. And we really saw the difference last year with the uptick in swinging strikes. So a lot to build on there uh, with Shane Bieber, you know, someone who's really jumped in rankings from this time last year. Yep. Uh, we both had Steven Strasburg eighth. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, doesn't, it feels kind of wrong to rank him eighth um, after he went 5-0 and with a 1.98 ERA and 47-4 to strikeout-to-walk ratio in the in the postseason last year, helping the Nationals win their first World Series title. Um, had a really good regular season, too. Second-highest innings total of his career at 209. 251 strikeouts, 3.32 ERA, good whip, NL leading 18 wins. Um, but I, I wonder if there's like another level that he can reach, though, or if that goes down as the best year of his career. Hmm. Um, yeah, 31 years old, turns 32 this summer. He's had an ERA in the twos just once in the last eight years. The strikeout rate is close to elite, but not quite elite. Elite. Um, I don't know. I just like just poking holes here in a guy who doesn't really need holes poked at him after what he did last season, um, and especially in October. I mean, I have a saying about Strasburg, when he's healthy, he's good. And that's really all you have to say. I mean, maybe you worry a little bit about the career high workload uh, last mm -hmm. year, you know, including the regular season and the postseason, you know, first time reaching 200 innings since 2014, threw up 36 and a third innings during the postseason where obviously he was amazing, opted out of his contract, got a new $245 million deal. Uh, but is there some kind of hangover from that? You know, pitching that deep into the postseason, you know, possibly, uh, especially given his injury history, some level of concern there, uh, which is why I have him eighth, but certainly not getting out of my top 10. All right, I'll, I'll just make the case here for Charlie Morton at ninth. Do it. Um, I did have Chris Sale here uh, before it, the word came down on, on Thursday that he's going to open the season on the injury list. So I should say that, but he was still in my top 10, Morton. Um, he's 36 years old, but like, that's the only knock against him. And, you know, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer don't get that kind of knock against them. I mm. sometimes age is just a number for pitchers. Morton continues to get better, uh, showed up in the best shape of his life this spring and raise camp, um, had the, that big career revitalizing two year run in Houston between 2017 and 2018. Um, a combined 3.36 ERA and 55 starts with a 10.4 K per nine. And he was even better in his first year of a 20 year, $30 million deal with Tampa Bay, a 3.05 ERA and an 11.1 K per nine in a career high 194 and two third innings. Um, Tampa Bay used him as more of a traditional frontline starter 
Um, they like to use the opener a lot there, but he is their ace, their reliable, durable ace. I think they might even lean on him more heavily this year than they did last year. Maybe finally gets to 200 innings. And if he holds up and he pitches 200 innings, I think there's no doubt he could be a top 10 fantasy arm. Um, he's the 19th starter off the board right now in the average Yahoo league. So, you know, I have him ranked high, but I think he's he's a value if you can get him with, you know, at number 15 off the board even. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to draft him that high, but you're yeah. think, you're, you think he's going to deliver that kind of value. And I definitely think there's a case for that. Only 15 qualified starters have a better strikeout percentage over the past three seasons. Maybe some of it's like people have the injury history maybe in the back of their minds. Uh, but I really think he is an underrated pitcher. Still gets a good amount of grounders. Had his highest swinging strike percentage last year, along with improved control. So I have him 16th, which is above the ADP still. But, um, you know, I think that's just underscoring the notion that he's going undervalued despite his uh, recent success. I have his teammate, Blake Snell, ninth. Um, obviously a brilliant 2018 season for Snell. A 1.89 ERA, you know, won the AL Cy Young Award. Things didn't go as smoothly last year. Had a 4.29 ERA over 23 starts. Uh, missed time with both a broken toe and surgery to remove bone spurs from his left elbow. Uh, was able to make it back uh, down the stretch and into the postseason, which, you know, I think at least provided some peace of mind going into the winter. Uh, 2019 obviously wasn't what people were hoping for, but I think you can hang your hat on the peripherals, which still looked really great. He actually had a higher strikeout percentage uh, than he did in 2018 uh, while maintaining the same walk rate. I mean, the big difference was the batting average on balls in play. It went from 241 to 343 last year. So if Snell can even that out, maybe closer to the league average of 300, I think he could still be a really nice value in fantasy drafts this year. Yeah, I have him 10th. Um, 368 strikeouts over his last 287 innings. The ERA should normalize if he's healthy, and he can be a 250-plus strikeout kind of guy, um, again, as long as he stays healthy and like you said, came back last year and, and had a clean bill of health entering Rays camp this spring. So hopefully that remains the case. Um, I have Clayton Kershaw 11. Mm -hmm. Kershaw um, is 12th with me. I have Clevenger 10. All right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about Kershaw. Um, he'll, he'll actually come at somewhat of a discount in drafts this spring for you know, the first time since like 2009. Mm -hmm. um, his ADP is just inside the top 50. Um, average fastball velocity fell to a career low 90.4 miles per hour last season, but there are a lot of articles this spring about how he's really trying to regain some of those miles per hour in 2020. He took way more rest this offseason than he has in offseasons past, did some velocity-oriented training at driveline baseball in Washington State, where a lot of pitchers have found success with velocity and spin rate training methods. Um, and it's not like he's been a bad pitcher without that elite four-seam fastball. Right. A 3.03 ERA, 1.04 whip, and 189 strikeouts in 178 innings last year. 16-5 and five record, uh, opening day starter for maybe the best team in all of baseball there in Los Angeles. And the Dodgers lineup should be great. We know the wins will be there. Um, that is a factor in fantasy leagues. Had his highest innings total last year uh, since 2015. Um, had that sore shoulder in spring training last year, but uh, none of the back issues cropped up during the year. So, you know, that's good news. Uh, the strikeout rate, not elite, but, you know, continues to be good. The control's good. 
Uh, he gave up a career-high 28 homers last year, which actually accounted for almost half of the earned runs he gave up for the entire season. Uh, you know, so we'll see if the ball is juiced again this year. That's going to be a factor for a lot of the pitchers we're talking about today. Uh, Kershaw, for me, not a top 10 pitcher just because we need to see the strikeouts really come back to an elite level. But I think he's still a pretty solid uh, fantasy starter. If not an ace, like your number two, you'd be sitting pretty. Let's let's talk about Clevenger here. Um, yeah. I had him at 18th. I didn't really know exactly what to do with him yeah. um, as we record here on February 27th. He'll be a, a topic of conversation, I'm sure, in our podcast throughout the spring um, and in, into the early, early part of the regular season as he recovers from surgery to repair a torn meniscus in his left knee. Uh, he had that surgery on, on February 14th. It typically requires six to eight weeks of rest and rehab and uh, then getting into minor league games and six to eight weeks is what the Indians have, have assigned the timetable to it. So maybe he could be ready around like mid April. Um, and he is a top 10 type of talent when healthy uh, 2.71 ERA, 169 strikeouts in 126 innings last season, uh, missed two months with an upper back strain. Um, he's kind of taken on the injury prone label, but he did throw 200 innings in 2018 and, yeah, I mean, he could be a big-time value if he recovers quickly from the knee procedure and, and gets near 200 innings this year. Certainly six to eight weeks like sounds scary right now, but I think in a few weeks, you know, for people who are drafting late, maybe we'll have a better idea of the timetable and, you know, his ADP will start to climb back up. Or maybe you'll feel a little bit safer drafting him as a top 10 pitcher because you know, when he's healthy and, you know, we saw it last year, even with the, the back strain interrupting things a bit, you know, he's still awesome. So uh, to me, you know, if he's back in mid-April, even late April, I still think he could be a great value just as far as net production when you're going to get. All right. I had Chris Sale at 12. Uh, another guy it's, it's I don't didn't know what to do with. Like I said, I had him at nine, um, but had had to bump him down a little bit after it was revealed Thursday morning that he'll begin the season on the injured list after battling pneumonia for much of April. Um, it, it apparently has nothing to do with the elbow issues that plagued him last season. And, you know, when he's at his best and healthiest, Sale can be one of the top overall pitchers in fantasy, if not the top overall pitcher. Um, but obviously there are some some red flags here. Limited to 147 innings last season. The ERA ballooned from 2.11 in 2018 to four point. 40 in 2019 um the elbow and the poor first month deserve a lot of that blame um, but it sounds like we won't really be able to get a, a very good picture of his health status in the grapefruit league this spring so um just a hard guy to rank at this point when, when we're recording this so i bumped sale i had him at 11th initially uh i bumped him from 11th to 15th uh i still don't really know what to feel about it you know just like you were saying you know Coming off the elbow issues uh, last season, got a platelet-rich plasma injection in the elbow. Uh, you know, resumed throwing after that. You know, things seemed good, at least until, you know, the illness this spring, first with the uh, bout of the flu and then pneumonia. Um, you know, might not seem like a big deal when you hear that. You know, we hear players being sick at spring training all the time. But I think you do worry about, you know, strength. Um, you know, he is a slender kind of guy. Then you worry about arm strength. What might the velocity be if he tries to push it right now? And then coming off the elbow issue, if he is pushing himself too hard, you know, maybe he hurts the elbow again or makes it worse. So uh, to me, it makes sense to, you know, get him back healthy, 
you know, get your arm strength back, get your strength back, um, you know, and take it from there. Uh, and no reason to really rush things uh, with a talent like him, especially after we saw the slow start he had last year where, you know, it was just a complete mystery what was happening that, that first month, especially the velocity was really scary. Uh, obviously, it was sort of up and down near. He did have his moments. Uh, still struck out 218 batters on 147 in the third innings. No, it's just, you know, how risky <laughs> how risky do you want to uh, approach your draft? I mean, I put him 15th, but honestly, if I was in a draft and suddenly, you know, Chris Sale was at the top of the board, you know what I mean, yeah. just sitting there, I still don't know if I would take him like at the 15th starter. I don't know. I think I would chicken out, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I'm, I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to these kind of situations. But, you know, maybe we'll have a, a better picture um around like actual draft season which is you should really draft like more towards the middle of march in my opinion i yeah Um, because it feels like every day right now like we're hearing about a new player who's injured so yeah i definitely hear you on that um so i put patrick corbin 11th um of course landed that six-year 140 million dollar deal with the nationals last off season you know some people question that because he really only had one great year but corbin Backed it up fine. Just last year had three two five ERA, over thirty three starts, another two hundred inning season. Uh, the strikeout percentage was very similar to twenty eighteen, down slightly, but still very very good. Actually threw high, threw harder last year than he did in twenty eighteen. Uh, still plenty of swinging strikes while continuing to lean heavily on his slider. Walk right walk rate was a little bit higher, and again another pitcher more issues with the uh, home run ball, but. Overall, you know, good situation, you know, back-to-back really good years. To me, I think you'd feel really safe about him being your number two starter. I, I don't, I'm reluctant to say he's like a fantasy ace number one to lead your staff, uh, but I think he's really solid. Yeah, I had him 17th. I think I'm a little worried that the control issues kind of resurfaced last season, um, but I think what you can expect from him is a lot of strikeouts, a good, not great ERA, but probably a high number of wins. I mean, he's been pretty durable over over the last three years. And, you know, durability starts to become a question mark as we move down these rankings, even with, you know, the the top 12 for me and Snell and Sale. Um, So there's value in that. And, yeah, I mean, that the first year of that deal can't be considered anything but a a roaring success considering the Nationals won the World Series. And his ERA, 3.25. I don't. I just don't think he's going to repeat that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it'll be like above three point five zero. But yeah, he's a fine number two to have. I, I think you want to lock in somewhat a little better than that um, for your squad uh, before you you go dive in it, into those depths. I had I had Chris Paddock at number thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where did you have him? I have Paddock at seventeen. Okay. Um, yeah, limited to 90 minor league innings in 2018 following Tommy John's surgery. Uh, so the Padres had to watch his workload as a rookie. Um, but he really impressed with the leash that he was given last season, a 3.33 ERA, 0.98 whip, 153 strikeouts in 140 innings. Um, there should be no leash on him in 2020 um, as the Padres try to shift into contending mode. Um, I think he can push for a sub three ERA or close to it and you know, 200 plus strikeouts if he makes it to 200 innings. Um, good amount of wins too. good home park. Uh, Paddock sits, you know, in the mid 90s with his fastball, pairs it with a good changeup, a nice curve, just turned 24 years old. 
Um, I, I think the arrow is really pointing up for him. I think we could be talking about him alongside Walker Bueller and Jack Flaherty like very, very, very soon. Um, mm-hmm. But he does need to, you know, get that more more uh, innings under his belt. Uh, if he could do that, I think he'll jump up in these rankings. I think the the one thing where I was a little hesitant about him is that he is a fly ball pitcher. Uh, so 23 homers on 140 and two thirds innings last year. Uh, that's going to continue to be an issue. Uh, obviously, it helps that he makes half of his starts in, in San Diego, but I don't know. I think the ERA could be a, a little bit variable. You know, I would I would take a three three or a three point three three ERA again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just especially we don't really know what the baseball is going to be like, uh, but certainly he's going to go up his share of home runs at least uh, unless he changes his pitch mix, which is possible. Um, I Luis Castillo at 14th. Um, I just, I love him. Me too. Uh, you know, if, if he had a slightly more favorable home pitching environment than great American ballpark, I would rank him a lot higher. Uh, but you know, 14th among starting pitchers is pretty darn good. Um, he ranked second among all qualified starters last year in ground ball percentage and 13th in strikeout percentage, which is really unique um, and amazing to be so high on both of those lists. Great for where um, he pitches, too. Exactly. It helps him tame some of the more power-friendly elements there in Cincinnati. Uh, 226 strikeouts in 190 innings last year for the Reds, uh, a Reds team that made some significant upgrades this winter. A 3.40 ERA. Hopefully that can come down a bit. Um, he needs to improve his control for sure. 79 walks last season. Um, and if he does that, the ERA will drop and the whip will obviously drop too. Uh, really good, just nasty raw stuff. High 90s fastball with movement, good changeup, sharp slider, turned 27 years old in, in December. Um, I like him to take another leap forward in 2020, and he's already pretty much an ace, but I think he can be even better. Control for Castillo was much better in the second half last year, so... You know, if he made some adjustments yeah. and can bring that into 2020, I mean, we could be looking at a, another full-fledged uh, breakout starting pitcher who could crack that top 10 potentially. Um, I had Castillo 13th. I have you Darvish 14th. And, I mean, talk about a weird year. Um, that was Darvish in 2019. Looked lost early on. It's really walking the ballpark over the first two months. Went into the All-Star break with a 5.01 ERA. But his second half was just incredible. 2.76 ERA over 13 starts. Most amazing thing was the strikeout to walk ratio. 118 strikeouts in just seven walks in 81 and two thirds innings. Had a string of five straight starts where he didn't walk a single batter. Uh, just a complete turnaround. Uh, 33 years old now, of course, but uh, throwing just as hard as ever. Had the highest swinging strike rate of his career last season. So to me, you know, he's back on the map. Is again not being a fantasy ace necessarily, but uh, really solid strikeouts will be there. You know, I still think the Cubs are going to be a pretty good team. So, you know, the win should be there as well. Yeah. Going as the number 20 starter right now on Yahoo, which is where I had him ranked. Um, definitely an uneven year, but the, yeah, the second half was incredible, especially the command. I think he's back mm-hmm. big time as well. Um, I had Lucas Giolito at 15, uh, probably baseball's most improved starting pitcher last year, at least among more established names. Uh, 6.13 ERA in 2018 to a, a 3.41 ERA in 2019. Uh, the K per nine was 6.5 in 2018. It was 11.6 last year. Um, just incredible gains all across the board. Rediscovered some of the fastball velocity that made him 
a top prospect at a high school. Um, it helped that he mostly ditched his sinker in, in favor of more four seamers. Um, also increased the use of his changeup, which helped against left-handed hitters. Still has the good slider and curve, better control across the board, up to swinging strike rate. Um, just all very encouraging and, and seemingly pretty legitimate strides, uh, but by kind of a post-type pitcher entering his age 25-26 season. Uh, looks like the, the White Sox should be very good offensively. Um, hopefully a lot of run support there on the south side of Chicago. I think he can be a top 15 starter. I, I know he kind of stumbled down the stretch last season, but um, I believe in the gains that he made. He had a 6.13 ERA in 2018. That was the highest among all qualified starters. Yeah. I mean, it's just been a remarkable turnaround for Giolito. Only five pitchers had a higher swinging strike percentage last year, and that list is... Jacob DeGrom, Luis Castillo, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and Garrett Cole. So, you know, you can't really say he's some sort of fluke. Doubled his strikeout percentage, uh, brought the walk rate down. I mean, you said, you know, velocity was up, switched up the pitch mix, made some mechanical changes, you know, put all that together, and, and you can see, you know, why this breakout happened. I have a 19th. I mean, I, I definitely believe in what he did last year. I, I still feel like maybe there's a lack of trust in some circles, but, you know, you said it, the White Sox should be a better team this year. Um, I think he's, I think I mean, he certainly arrived for me as a, as a top 20 starting pitcher. Uh, I had Aaron Nola 16th. Um, yeah, I, he's a, he's a guy that it's hard to know what, what to make of the numbers. They're kind of puzzling. Yes. Um, went from top three NL Cy Young award vote getter in 2018 to something a lot more mediocre than that in 2019. Uh, ERA jumps from 2.37 to 3.87. The whip was very average, uh, but his strikeout rate last year was a career high, uh, 290 or 229 strikeouts in 202 innings. Um, and I feel like the walks and, and the home runs allowed are things that can be improved upon. He's 26 years old, turns 27 in June. Um, I think we've seen enough good from him in the past to think he can kind of rebound in 2020 the flat the fastball velocity didn't change uh, it only got better throwing his curveball and change up at about the same rates um i think it's a tough park to pitch there in philly um and he kind of got battered around in some games last year i mean he had some ugly stat lines throughout the year and also had some decent ones yeah just really inconsistent very frustrating if you had yeah. if you selected him as your number one starter in a fantasy league, and I was I was really high on Nola going into last year. I think I drafted him pretty much everywhere, uh, but certainly the the rise in the walk rate was surprising to me. Uh, and you mentioned the home runs, um, but back to back two hundred inning seasons, so you're getting the volume there. Uh, I think the Phillies will be a pretty good team this year, uh, but really needs to get that control back in check uh, to deliver top fifteen starter value. Um, that's kind of where I see. The upside right now, I have him at 20. I'm a little down on him this year uh, just because of the control and the home runs. But, you know, if the ball is pitcher-friendlier this year, he's someone I could see really jumping up on the list. Um, so where, where did you have Tyler Glass now? Because I was really jealous yeah. of that. <laughs> so Tyler Glass now have 18th. Uh, where did you have him, by the way? I had him 21st. <clears throat> okay, um, so not far off. I mean... 1.78 ERA in 12 starts last year. Got off to an amazing start uh, before going down with a forearm strain in May. Didn't make his return until September, and that was on a limited basis, not fully stretched out. But 
I think inspired, you know, some confidence going into the offseason. We've said this forever. Like, you can't question Glasnow's stuff. You look at the fastball velocity, you know, all the whiffs on the curveball. It's always just been a matter of his control. And, of course, that was a major issue during his time with the Pirates. But but you look at Glasnow's time with the Rays, he's walked just 33 batters in 116 in the third innings uh, with 140 strikeouts. So, uh, to me, this, you know, it basically cutting the walk rate in half from what he did with the Pirates. So, you know, really amazing. I, I think there's an element of risk here, obviously. You know, coming off the injury, there's only a small sample that he had that uh, success with the Rays last year. Maybe the control will regress a little bit. But to me, top 20 pitcher upside for sure, and, and maybe even top 10. Uh, so if you want to shoot for the moon, I think Glasnow is a guy you should go for. Yeah, the, the forearm strain last May uh, also had a median nerve decompression procedure in his right wrist in November, uh, but that was apparently a very minor procedure, and it doesn't sound like there are any restrictions on him this spring. And you talked about the profile. I mean, it's tremendous if he can stay healthy. Six foot eight right-hander with an 80-grade fastball that sits in the high 90s with all sorts of movement. A changeup that sits in the low 90s, twelve six curveball that falls off the table, ace like stuff, um, and you know here's hoping he can show it over 170 to, to 180 plus innings in 2020. So uh, now that we're outside of this top 20, we we've each uh, picked a few names we we want to talk about. Some good, some bad. Uh, I'll get us started here. I I have Noah Syndergaard at number 22. Um, on my list, uh, you know, all the talent in the world really just needs to put it all together. Uh, frustrating year last year, 4.28 ERA over 32 starts, uh, 202 strikeouts and 50 walks and uh, just over 197 innings. You know, stayed healthy last year, uh, reaching nearly 200 innings for the first time. Uh, but well, it's sort of a frustrating year. And I, I think a big part of that was his slider, um, you know, Threw it less often last year, and the velocity on it was sharply down from the past. Um, it was around 89 miles per hour last year, but you look at 2018, it was 92 miles per hour, and I think that separation was really important for him. Um, and he said this week even that he wants to get the slider back in that 92 to 93 mile per hour range this year. So if he can do that, he could definitely give you some nice value given where he's being drafted right now, 70.4 uh, ADP and Yahoo leagues has that kind of top 10 starter uh, talent. Um, so if he can get that uh, MPH back up on the slider, you know, he could have a big year. I had Zach Grinky at 19 just to touch on him. Okay, real quick. I mean, he, he, he can feel like a really boring draft day pick, but you know, he just keeps getting the job done entering his age 36 season, 2.93 ERA, 0.98 whip. 187 strikeouts to 30 walks in 208 innings last year between the Diamondbacks and Astros. 18-5 and record, went 8-1 and down the stretch with Houston. Uh, number two starter now for the reigning AL champs with Garrett Cole departing in free agency. Um, the strikeout rate is not going to be elite, but I think he can be close to elite in all the other categories that he qualifies for, ERA, whip, and wins. Um, so I, I just like him as a safe pick, even though it's kind of boring. Um, I, I saw this story yeah. recently. <laughs> I'm just going to do a sidetrack real quick. So there's yeah. all sorts of like legend of Zach Greinke stories out there. And I have Greinke 21st for the record, but uh, this is a totally separate issue here. So um, just Zach Greinke is a very unique personality. So uh, Rustin Dodd of The Athletic um, 
gave this little a story from Mark Tian, a former teammate with the Royals, basically saying that uh, yeah, yeah. in the summer, Zach Greinke used to like come, to, or it was in the off season, like used to come to his house and be like, you know, can I take your dog for a run? And like, yeah, he'd say, sure. And so Zach would like go for a run with the dog and then come back and they'd ask like, oh, you know, how was the run? And like, Zach would be like, it was great. And like, give him the dog and just like leave. <laughs> <laughs> he just needed a jogging buddy. <laughs> I think Zach Grinke's the kind of guy that likes dogs more than people. I, I um, totally get that. I, I can appreciate <laughs> that too. So. Yeah, I can appreciate it too. Yeah. Um, so I had Jose Barrios at number 23. Um, been named an American League All-Star in back-to-back seasons, also had some relatively poor finishes in back-to-back seasons. Um, he was sporting a 2.80 ERA at the end of July last year, then posted a 5.83 ERA over his final 10 starts and wasn't great in his one outing in the ALDS against the Yankees, though none of the Twins really were. Um, but I, I think we've seen Burrios scratch the surface of his upside, and maybe there's like a full-on breakout coming in 2020 it'll be his age 25 26 season probably going to be the opening day starter for the reigning al central champs a uh, good three pitch mix with his fastball change up and curve again he's young and he was a 200 strikeout pitcher in under 200 innings in 2018 i think he's a candidate to make a jump this year into legitimate ace territory so i have mike soroka at number 24 uh, 2.680 array over 29 starts last year, putting those you know physical concerns aside. Huge breakout year, uh, excellent control. Uh, 41 walks and 174 and two thirds innings. You know kept the ball on the ground too, which really helped in the year of the home run. Uh, the strikeouts is I think the thing to focus on here. 142 strikeouts. His strikeout percentage was 39th among pitchers with at least 170 innings pitched. He was actually below pitchers like Adam Wainwright. Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman. Uh, so not exactly, you know, fantasy ace, you know, scenario here. But uh, I think the thing to remember with Soroka, he's just 22 years old. Uh, so I still think there's time for him to make progress with his arsenal, uh, refine it, increase that strikeout rate. I think it will happen in time, uh, but I wouldn't look for it to be this year in 2020. So it doesn't stand out. You know, among the fantasy aces, for sure, there's some work to do here. Uh, but certainly has arrived as a top 25 talent. I just think you're going to be paying, like, full fare for what he did last year. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers is inside my top 30, but somebody I probably won't wind up drafting in many leagues this year because I think he's going a little bit early um, inside the top 100 overall on Yahoo. I obviously dig the 143 strikeouts and 121 innings last year. Uh, decent ERA at 3.62 and a good whip at 1.14, but he's having to make the switch from throwing to catcher Yasmani Grandal, one of the best pitch framers in the sport, to Omar Narvaez, who rates as one of the worst. Um, we will probably see some Manny Pena behind the plate when, when Woodruff pitches, but I don't I don't know if the Brewers can sacrifice that offense going from Narvaez to Pena. Um, I think that's a weird roster in Milwaukee. I've said it before on this podcast. I think from the starting rotation there with the Brewers, I might just rather wait on Adrian Hauser, um, yeah. who's going 253rd overall, um, so barely even being drafted in some standard leagues on Yahoo. Um, Hauser was on a, one of only four pitchers to log more than 100 innings last year and register a strikeout percentage above 25%, a ground ball rate above 50%, and an ERA under 3.75. 
Um, and the other three pitchers are Steven Strasburg, Luis Castillo, and, and Sonny Gray. Um, Shh. Yeah, I'm, t- oh. <laughs> I'm shushing you right now. <laughs> we're, tr- we're, tr- we're trying to help people out here, man. <laughs> we need our, we, these are, we're giving you some sleepers, but we have a secret list we're not supposed to unveil. So just so you guys know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I wish I wish that I wish that were true. <laughs> so uh, number twenty six, still inside my top thirty. I have Frankie Montes with the A's. Uh, his ADP in Yahoo is one thirty two point eight, which I think is way too low. Uh, of course, Montes coming off the PED suspension, but I actually think that could be a good thing from a fantasy perspective as far as potential value. I guess you can question how much you know PEDs might have helped him last year, but. The numbers backed up what he did last year, the ERA estimators, all that kind of stuff. 2.63 ERA over 16 starts, 103 strikeouts, 23 walks in 96 innings. Big jump in swinging strike percentage, chase rate, all things you like to see. And had switched up the pitch mix too. Uh, The addition of a splitter, I think really made a huge difference for him. Brings him into that frontline territory. Has always had that raw stuff, but I think he's reached a new level and I'm not gonna, you know, hold the PED suspension against him too much. I think he's a a great value where you don't necessarily have to draft him as the 26th pitcher off the board, but I think he can provide that kind of value. Um, We're really pushing Denelson Lamette out of sleeper status by discussing him so much on (laughs) our various platforms here at Roto World. Um, ADP of 123.5 right now on Yahoo, but I think the hype is warranted. You look beyond the 4.07 ERA last year, uh, his first year back from Tommy John's surgery, and you find that he struck out 33.6% of the batters he faced, better than any starter with 70-plus innings except for Garrett Cole, Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, and Mike Clevenger. Um, Lamette has 244 total strikeouts and 187 career major league innings, 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer, 96-mile-an-hour two-seamer, 92-mile-an-hour changeup, plus a, a lethal curveball slider combo just a crazy good arsenal there are some control issues there uh, but if he can rein those in even just a little bit he can jump into top 20 fantasy starter territory he has that kind of stuff maybe even like top 15 uh, we could be discussing for him uh, next year I agree I agree I'm all over him where I can get him another pitcher I really like uh, who might not even begin the year in a rotation in the majors is Zach Gallen. And I would actually commit a citizen's arrest of the Diamondbacks front office if they send him to the minors to begin the year. But it's there's a chance that could happen because, you know, you look at the Diamondbacks depth chart right now. There's Bumgarner. There's Robbie Ray. There's Mike Leake who they're paying. They're not going to send him to the minors. Luke Weaver, if he's healthy. Uh, Merrill Kelly, you know, maybe he's a bullpen bound guy. But, like, they have numbers there. So you never know. But, you know, what we saw from Zach Allen last year, just quickly going to mention here, uh, two point. 8-1 ERA in 15 starts. Control a little shaky, 36 walks in 80 innings, but uh, 96 strikeouts as well. The changeup is like one of the best pitches in baseball. Um, I have him ranked number 31, so even if he begins the year in the minors, you know, I think he can make a huge impact. Hopefully the Diamondbacks don't send him down. I have Jesus Lazardo of the A's at 32. Um, he was a popular mid to late round pick in drafts last spring, but wound up missing a large majority of the 2019 season after straining his shoulder in late March. Uh, but he rehabbed the injury with, without requiring surgery, uh, eventually made his MLB debut last September as a reliever and looked really good. 1.50 ERA with 16 strikeouts in 12 innings in the A's bullpen down the stretch. 
Um, also pitched three scoreless innings of relief in the AL wildcard game. There's a question about his workload um, going into 2020. He threw only 55 innings last year between the minors and majors. But an, an average draft position in the middle of the 12th round right now on Yahoo. And I think he has the stuff to deliver a strong return on that and that kind of investment. Um, even if he has to top out at like 140 to 150 innings. Um, just really good raw stuff. High 90s fastball with sinking action. Excellent changeup uh, to pair with that fastball. A filthy slider that moves in a variety of ways. Favorable home pitching environment there in Oakland. Talented A's team around him. This will be his age 22 season. He's definitely a riser. So I actually had Matthew Boyd one spot ahead of Jesus Lazardo in my rankings, which I think you're already making me regret. <laughs> uh, but four, five, six ERA last year for for Boyd, which you know looks obviously disappointing on the surface, but you have to love the peripherals that he posted: 238 strikeouts and just 50 walks and 185 in a third innings. But you know the thing that really hurt him last year was the home run ball. Uh, he gave up 39 of them uh, to lead the American League, and you know he is a fly ball pitcher, so. Uh, that will be, continue to be a big risk for him, especially if the juice ball sticks around. I thought it was interesting. Uh, he's been working on his curveball this offseason. Uh, so we'll see how much he integrates that into his arsenal and what impact that might have, not only on home runs, but you know strikeouts. It hasn't been a great pitch for him in the past when he used it. He kind of cut down on its, on its usage uh, last year. So you know definitely some variables there with Boyd, but you know, with all those strikeouts that he had last year, I think there's still immense upside there too. I have him 35. Yeah, I think he'll probably get traded to a contender sometime this, this summer too. Yeah. Um, I, I had Max Freed at number 34. Um, he won 17 games last year in his first full major league season, so you'd think he'd be going higher than 136.5 on Yahoo. But yeah, thankfully, thankfully we've moved beyond wins when judging pitchers. Um, but he showed last year that he was more than just good luck and run support has a great raindrop curveball with top five vertical movement um, sits in the mid nineties with his fastball can touch the high nineties at times added a slider to his arsenal in 2019. So batters can't just hunt the fastball in his curve um, former top prospects, the added pitch in the slider starting to put it all together at age 26. Um, I think he's definitely a breakout candidate. Um, I think he has better swing and miss stuff than Mike Soroka right now, who, who you touched on earlier. I would give Soroka the edge in overall run prevention. Um, but Freed it has some nasty stuff. He, he kind of struggled in a bullpen role um, in the postseason last year, but he'll be back to starting, and I, I think he could be very good for that Braves team. All right, so where do you have Mason Saunders ranked, Drew? In our uh, rodeo ranking yes rankings? Our, our rodeo uh, fantasy draft that's coming up yeah i'm not a rodeo expert but i, I have them in the 40s okay the so high 40s in case you don't know that's the alter ego that madison Baumgartner uses to uh, win cash prizes at rodeo events uh but of course now he's a pitcher for the diamondbacks as well signed a five-year 85 million dollar deal with the diamondbacks over the winter i have Baumgartner number 40 um you know still a fine pitcher had a 390 era over 34 starts last year you know, showed better control, increased in uh, swinging strikes uh, compared to 2018. But the big thing that stands out, obviously, much better at home in San Francisco. 2.93 ERA in San Francisco last year compared to a 5.29 ERA on the road. That really stands out to me as he officially moves venues. Uh, home ballpark obviously was a huge, huge advantage there, especially as he gets up there in age. Doesn't have that on his side now, so... 
generally I'd say he's not someone I'm going to draft this year, probably anywhere. Yeah, I Kenta Maeda at number 44, a little bit ahead of Bumgarner, actually. Um, the Dodgers traded Maeda to the, the Twins on February 10th, sort of as a tangent to the Mookie Betts deal. Um, he should be treated as more of a traditional starter in Minnesota than he was in Los Angeles. Uh, no more jumping back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation um, to keep his bonus payouts low. Uh, 641 strikeouts and 589 major league innings since arriving from Japan in 2016. Uh, good, not great ERA, but really good whip. Um, he's going 179th overall right now on Yahoo, which is after Herman Marquez, um, who I'll touch on here. I mean, he could qualify as one of my busts, probably. Um, I have him at 47th, but I, I'm just, I'm just probably not going to draft him. I think it's going to take a trade away from Coors Field before I can buy in. And you know, maybe that'll happen this year with the Rockies looking to me like they're not going to be a contender because of their lack of overall quality pitching depth. Um, Marquez has a 5.01 career ERA at home, a 3.72 ERA on the road. His ERA last year at Coors Field was 6.26. Um, he definitely has the stuff to miss bats. The strikeouts will be there, but it almost feels like you can't play him in fantasy in half of his starts. Yeah, it's, so, always, it's always a tough balance with guys like that. Um, yeah, in some I'll just cases, let it, it's just better to avoid them, you know? Right, yeah. I'll just let another like owner deal with that. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's just a headache to deal with like every week when you're like setting your lineup. It's just not yeah. fun. Uh, so I have Joe Musgrove at 45. Um, and it was really good down the stretch last year. Uh, actually has an ADP of 223.4, which is basically free in Yahoo Leagues. Had a 2.89 ERA with 32 strikeouts and just five walks in 28 innings over his final five starts last year. Was really thriving when basically no one else on the Pirates was at that time. Um, and to me, Musgrove is sort of frustrating. You know, 4.37 career ERA, despite just amazing control, has always been that way, uh, dating back to the minors. Has good stuff, quality arsenal, uh, throws a lot of pitches. Fastball spin is really good too. I just think there's another level here. Uh, I do wonder if maybe it takes going to another team for that to happen, but I really think the ingredients are here for him to be a really solid, like, you know, three or four starter on a mixed league staff. Um, I have Lance McCullers at 52, uh, missed the entire 2019 season while recovering from Tommy John surgery, but he'll be almost 17 whole months removed from that procedure on opening day this year. So he should be pretty close to full strength. Uh, 26 years old, a 3.67 career ERA, 10.1 career K per nine. Um, you know, before blowing out his elbow, he was trending towards becoming, you know, a big time pitcher there in Houston. I think he can get back to that. Uh, he'll be an important piece of that rotation in 2020 with Garrett Cole gone. Um, probably won't be allowed to pitch more than like 140 innings or so. Uh, but with a Yahoo ADP at 184.6, I think you can still pull some value out of them. So number 53, I have Jose Arquiti with the Astros. 24-year-old uh, out of Mexico. Always showed great control in the minors, but we saw a huge surge in strikeout rate last year between double and triple A. And he also impressed during his time in the majors, had a 3.95 ERA, 40-7 to 7 strikeout to walk ratio. Ingredients there to be a, an effective starting pitcher in the majors, if not an effective one in fantasy leagues. Mid-90s fastball, plenty of whiffs on the slider, change-up and curveball. The thing that stands out the most, though, is the command and the control, uh, which, again, he's shown on every level. Should continue to be an asset. 
He should have a rotation spot to begin the to begin the year. So I really love what I'm seeing here, at least as a late round pick. 234.8 ADP in Yahoo League. So again, another pitcher who's basically free. Um, I had Mackenzie Gore inside my top 60. Ooh, I dig it. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I'm, he's probably not going to open the year uh, with the Padres, but um, Chris Crawford, our, our prospects guru at Roto World, predicted that he would win the 2020 National League Rookie of the Year award, even if he doesn't arrive till sometime in May. Um, I don't know. The Padres have been aggressive with some of their best young prospects. Fernando Tatis Jr., Chris Paddock. I don't think they'll be that aggressive with, with Gore. He's 21 years old, um, was the third overall pick in the 2017 MLB draft. Um, hasn't pitched above double A ball, but was awesome last year in the minors. 1.69 ERA, 0.83 whip, 135 strikeouts in 101 innings between high A and double A. Um, yeah, I think he'll be up in May probably after a short stay at AAA El Paso. So I mentioned I'm, I'm fading Bumgarner everywhere. Another pitcher I'm fading this year is Hyunjin Ryu. I actually have him ranked 56th. Um, 232 ERA to lead the majors last year. It was actually 145 in, in mid-August. Uh, but he posted a 5.40 ERA over his final seven starts uh, to finish out the regular season. And to me, I think that was mostly about losing steam from a workload perspective. His first time since 2013, again, that was his first season stateside, that he had worked more than 180 innings. Uh, he threw 192 innings that year. I don't think you could really question Ryu if he's healthy. He actually has a 2.21 ERA and 44 starts dating back to the start of 2018. But health factors into everything with him. We know that injury history there. You just can't count on a repeat. Plus, now he goes over to the Blue Jays. In the AL East, where he'll face teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, who still have a pretty good lineup, make starts in a bunch of hitter-friendly stadiums, including in Baltimore. You know, add all those ingredients together, I just can't buy in this year. I just cannot do it. So I'm pushing him really far down my board this year. Um, I'll run through a, a couple more here real quickly. Nate Pearson of the Blue Jays, big-time prospect, uh, big-time stuff, kind of in the Mackenzie Gore mold. Uh, throws really hard, struck out the side in his Grapefruit League debut against the Yankees. He'll be up sometime this summer. Um, Josh James could could win the final spot in the Astros rotation. Lots of strikeouts, but if he command, definitely needs to get better uh, in the control department. Kevin Gaussman, uh, deep sleeper. Uh, his <clears throat> fifth was nearly two runs better than his ERA last year. A career-high strikeout rate. Finally has a pitcher-friendly home stadium at Oracle Park in San Francisco after spending time at Camden Yards and in Atlanta, SunTrust, now, now Truist Park, and then Great American Ballpark um, last year. Dylan Bundy, um, you don't want to yeah, react like to one, one good start in the Cactus League, but he struck out four batters over two scoreless innings uh, in his Angels debut on February 25th. I liked that trade for Anaheim, um, especially if they're going to lose Griffin Canning, um, see if there's still some potential there to be tapped into with Bundy. 346 strikeouts over his final 333 innings with Baltimore. Um, I think he should have a natural ERA dip moving um, away from the American League East. Uh, and he's going really late, another deep sleeper. So with the White Sox, maybe we see uh, Michael Kopech come up and make an impact this year. Dylan Cease could make some progress. I think having Yasmani Grandal there could help those young arms. Garrett Richards I like a lot with the Padres this year. Another uh, year removed from his Tommy John surgery, uh, he should begin a year with the with the begin the year with a rotation spot if healthy. Obviously, opportunity there in the Yankees rotation. So keep an eye on Jordan Montgomery, another guy uh, 
another year removed from Tommy John surgery. He made his comeback late last year, but uh, has looked good so far this spring. Uh, Jonathan Loizaga, another name at the Yankees to watch. Uh, Alex Wood is apparently showing some more velocity uh, with the Dodgers, so another name uh, I would keep an eye out for too. Nathan Avaldi apparently looks healthy with the Red Sox. You know, if you want to take a flyer on him late, you could do that too. So uh, plenty of names that if you want to speculate late, uh, could make a big impact this year. All right, we could keep going, but we probably no. should move on to relievers. Okay, so now we're going to jump into relievers. We're not going to spend as much time on these guys as we did the starters because, you know, just relievers are, are volatile. Uh, but we are going to spend some time here. I'm going to read off my top 15. Uh, I have Josh Hader, number one. Uh, Roberto Asuna, number two. Kirby Yates at three. Aroldis Chapman, number four. Uh, five, Liam Hendricks. Six, Kenley Jansen. Seven, Brad Hand. Eight, Edwin Diaz. Nine, Taylor Rogers. 10, Ken Giles, 11, Nick Anderson, 12, Sean Doolittle, 13, Craig Kimbrell, 14, Jose Leclerc, and 15, Alex Colome. I have number one, Josh Hader, uh, number two, Kirby Yates, three, Aroldis Chapman, four, Roberto Asuna, five, Edwin Diaz, six, Liam Hendricks, seven, Brad Hand, eight, Kenley Jansen, nine, Taylor Rogers. 10, Hector Neris, 11, Craig Kimbrell, 12, Ken Giles, 13, Jose Leclerc, 14, Archie Bradley, and 15, Nick Anderson. All right. So Hayter, you know, unquestioned, the most dominant reliever in the game right now, 262 ERA in 61 appearances last year, uses the primary closer uh, with Corey Knebel out and up racking up 37 saves with 138 strikeouts, actually had a higher strikeout percentage last year than he did in 2018. A little bit of a step back with the home run ball, gave up 15 of them. I think the only question with Hayter is like, how much uh, longer can he keep getting pushed like this without getting hurt? Uh, But as far as just pure dominance and stuff, you know, I think he's the unquestioned uh, number one fantasy closer. Yeah, I think the Brewers seem to be aware that they've overworked him. Um, I think that's why you heard trade rumors about him over the winter. So maybe we actually see fewer multi-inning outings from him, like fewer instances of him coming in in the seventh or eighth inning. Um, So maybe he'll just stick to the ninth. I don't know. That's, that's my dream. Um, But yeah, had a, had a 16.4 K per nine last year and and K per nine is kind of a silly stat for relief pitchers, but Garrett Cole led all starters with a 13.8 K per nine last season, just to put haters 16.4 mark in perspective, just absolutely dominant. Um, I had Yates number two, uh, 1.19 ERA, 101 strikeouts to just 13 walks in 60 and two third innings last year, led all MLB relievers and saves with 41, the closer for a rapidly improving Padres team. There is some risk here that the Padres don't take a step forward in 2020, like into contention and might think about trading Yates around the July 31st trade deadline to get even younger. Um, he's due to become a free agent next winter and turns 33 years old just before opening day this year. And if, you know, if he does get traded, it could be into a setup role on a contending team, but I don't, I think the Padres will at least be in the running for a wild card spot throughout this season. So that's only a minor concern for me right now. So the difference between Yates, who I had at three and Osuna at two, uh, is that Yates is going about 12 picks earlier than Osuna. And for me, I feel like 
And, and I should mention, I've enrolled as Chapman at four, and Chapman and uh, Yates are going ahead of Hasuna, who's 72.5 ADP. Yates is 60.8 right now. So I almost feel like waiting could be worth it, especially if you're paying basically in full for what Yates did last year. Had a 1.19 ERA in 60 appearances, led the majors with 41 saves as well. So you're paying for all that. You know what I mean? And like, there's yeah. no way in the world he's going to have a 1.19 ERA <laughs> again. So to me, I mean, with, with Osuna, there's just no worries about what he's capable of doing. You know, 2.63 ERA in 66 appearances last year. Brought the strikeout rate back up last year, along with an uptick in velocity. You know, still excellent control. I think the Astros will be great. So for me, you just you lock him in and you don't really have any worries about situation or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to like the guy, but he should definitely right. be a consistent producer in fantasy. Totally. I had him fourth. I agree with you. Um, if you can wait a whole other round or even two more rounds to get Ozuna, um, you feel pretty good about that in, instead of Yates. Chapman, um, I think he's a solid bet as any to lead all major leaguers in saves this year at, at age 32. The, the fastball velocity is 98.4 that it was last year instead of the hundreds in his prime. He's basically uh, like but, Jamie Moyer at this point. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 98.4 still gets the job done. Um, 85 strikeouts and 57 regular season innings last season. 37 saves, always an ERA in like the twos, sometimes the low twos. The closer for what should be a really good Yankees team, even as they're losing some big players to injuries this spring. Um, and there's tons of great setup options to bridge the gap to him there in the ninth inning. Um, so he doesn't go into games as like a, a fireball or a fireman um, as, as some of these relievers will. And Chapman has adjusted a little bit, uh, incorporating more sliders into the mix over the past two years. So, you know, the fastball velocity coming down a little bit, but, you know, he's adjusting and adapting as a pitcher as he ages a bit. Uh, Edwin Diaz at five, and obviously not the most ideal first season with the Mets of 5.59 ERA, only 27 or 26 saves after racking up 57 with the Mariners in 2018. Uh, but he actually had a career high strikeout rate in his first year with New York. And you know, the peripheral numbers with him suggest that he was the, the victim of a lot of bad luck, maybe a change in the baseball. Um, had a 377 batting average on balls in play. A home run to fly ball percentage went from 10.6 in 2018 to 26.8 in 2019. Um, I think he's going to be a value in drafts this spring because he burned so many people last year. Uh, right now, the eighth reliever off the board in the average Yahoo League. This will be his age 26 season. I love the, the stuff. Um, I'm thinking he bounces back. I'm thinking it can't be worse. Yeah, right. And I'll just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have Liam Hendricks at five. Uh, of course, Blake Trinan was unable to duplicate what he did in 2018, but Hendricks really stepped up, uh, showed an uptick in velocity, ended up notching 25 saves along with a 1.80 ERA. Actually struck out 124 batters in 85 innings. Best strikeout rate of his career, best walk rate since 2016. Only nine relievers had a, a higher swinging strike percentage. Um, you know, just huge uptick in swings and misses on a slider and curveball. I increased the usage of that curveball. Uh, you know, I think the A's will be a really good team this year. Um, so to me, I mean, he's arrived as a top five closer and, you know, the peripherals back up what he did. So I can't really question it, especially, you know, we see uh, Brad Hand kind of regressed a little bit last year. Edwin Diaz, all kinds of question marks. Kenley Jansen, not the pitcher he used to be. So to me, Hendricks is top five. 
Yeah, I had Hendricks, Hendricks number six. Um, was tempted to rank him higher, but he just doesn't really have the track record of some of these closers above him on my yeah. rankings. And at 4.19 ERA between 2017 and 2018. But, I mean, we're talking about small sample sizes when we talk about relievers. Uh, the ERA can be volatile. He missed a ton of bats, like you said. Um, and, and again, we both like the A's a lot. They won 97 games last year. If he pitches like he did last year, he can, you know, push for 40 plus saves with 100 plus strikeouts. I don't think he's going to throw 85 innings again. Uh, but yeah, he didn't earn his first save until June 22nd last season and still finished with 25. That's pretty good. Um, and that's how how good he was, and, and the A's were down the stretch. I have Brad Hand at seventh. Who you talked about um, just seems to be like a pretty good, reliable option. 2.96 ERA with 125 strikeouts and 85 innings since the Indians acquired him uh, from the Padres in mid-2018. Also 42 saves in, in a year and a half. Um, Terry Francona, the Indians manager, is very traditional in his bullpen roles. Uh, so the ninth inning should be hands unless something goes awry. Um, I, Emmanuel Classe, who they acquired in the Corey Kluber trade, is going to miss the first two months at least of the season. Um, with an upper back strain that he suffered in the early part of spring training. So I don't think there's going to be a threat to hand. Um, there's no one there to like really vulture saves from him. He is due to become a free agent um, after this season. So maybe if the Indians are bad, they'll trade him. But they won 93 games last year. And I mean, hopefully Mike Clevenger comes back and Carlos Carrasco is okay. And Shane Bieber is as good as we think he's going to be. And they could still be a pretty good team. I feel a little unsafe about hand this year even though I rank him seventh but you know struggled down the stretch last year during the second half in general and missed most of September with a tired arm so I think the confidence is down a bit going into 2020 but I think he's still a much better bet than a lot of the guys that follow him here uh you did mention class A's out but uh there's a pitcher who we saw briefly at the major league level last year uh James Karinchek I think I'm saying that right uh, pretty good deep sleeper if you want to speculate or at least keep an eye on him. He struck out 74 batters in 30 and a third innings in the minors last year. I'm going to repeat that. 74 strikeouts in 30 and a third innings in the minors last year, which is just ridiculous. Had five appearances with the Indians as well. Struck out eight and in five innings. Uh, so name to watch. Maybe if the Indians fall out of things uh, or maybe if hand falls off. But for, for now, uh, we're not rooting for that. Uh, Kenley Jansen, I had eighth. I think you had him a little higher. Sixth, um, yeah. Yeah, I worry about him. Like one of the most dominant relievers of the last decade, a 2.08 ERA between 2010 and 2017. That number jumped to 3.01 in 2018, then climbed all the way to 3.71 in 2019. Fastball velocity is declining. The strikeout rate is not what it was in his prime. He could turn out to be fine and obviously has the potential to rack up a ton of saves for the Dodgers who are loaded, but I just, I don't think he's the dominant reliever that he was over his first eight major league seasons. So I tend to lead towards some other lean towards some other targets in, in the area that he, he's being drafted. Um, he's the number six closer off the board right now in Yahoo. Something I think it's interesting about Jansen. Uh, he's been throwing earlier this spring than he has in previous springs. I think he's already made a couple of appearances and I feel like over the years I've gotten him used to him not pitching until like early to yeah. mid-March. Um, and he's already up to 92 to 94 miles per hour. In the past, we've seen the velocity take a little while to, to ramp up. So 
I feel a little bit better about him today than I did, you know, even like a few days ago. Um, but we'll see how things continue to go. It's number six for me. Uh, again, I had questions about Hand and Diaz, so I put him there. Uh, obviously, we've probably already seen the best of Jansen, but I still think he could be really good for a Dodgers team, which should be awesome. We both had Taylor Rogers ninth, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, outside of Liam Hendricks, Rogers is probably the, the newest highly ranked name on, on this list here. He's been a reliable setup man since breaking into the majors in 2016 and then became a reliable closer for the Twins last year. Uh, 2.61 ERA, 90 to 11 strikeouts to walk ratio in 69 innings, 30 saves. Uh, should be the locked-in ninth-inning man now for the reigning AL Central champs. He's probably my favorite mid-tier closer target. Um, right after that first run of, of closers in a given draft. Yeah, so he's sort of in the same area as Liam Hendricks, I think. I mean, Hendricks has a 102 ADP in Yahoo leagues, and Taylor Rogers is right in the same area, 109.2. And I think they fit in a similar area, though Rogers, you know, had success even before being a closer. He's basically been really good <laughs> uh, since yeah. he's been up in the majors. But, you know, the velocity was up last year, keeps the ball on the ground. I think a lot to like with Rodgers. And again, the Twins should be a really good team. So I have Ken Giles at 10. Uh, and probably someone who would have been traded if he had stayed healthy all last season. Dealt with an elbow issue right around the trade deadline last year. Uh, Might have been setting up for someone somewhere this year if that trade had happened. But it didn't happen, and Giles actually came back and continued to pitch well. Had a 2-4-5 two, two, ERA in 22 appearances after returning from the injured list. one eight seven ERA for the year. I think quietly good year. I don't think a lot of people noticed that. Best strikeout percentage of his career. Lowest walk rate since 2014. The big question is if the Blue Jays are going to be a good team this year. If they're going to yeah. contend. If, if they are, you know, Giles will probably stick with them all year and potentially be a top 10 closer, but... You know, come July, the Blue Jays are out of it. You know, Giles will probably get traded and might set up somewhere and you don't get full value for the, you know, the whole 2020 season. But to me, he's a really solid closer you don't have to really worry about. He's the kind of guy that could get traded into a closer role, too. That's true. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, I had Hector Neris at number 10. He's another mid-tier closer that I really like. Um, his role was a little undefined under former Phillies manager Gabe Kapler and now, Neris is to blame for some of that for his iffy performances, really up and down. Uh, but I think he should be now more locked in as the ninth inning man in Philadelphia under new manager Joe Girardi, who's more of a traditionalist when it comes to bullpen roles. He had a 2.93 ERA, 1.02 whip, and 89 strikeouts in 67 innings last year. Uh, 28 saves for a 500 Phillies team. I think they can be better on the whole. I think he can get to 30-plus saves in 2020. Um, if he if he pitches as well as he did last season, maybe even 35-plus saves. Yeah, I mean, certainly having a more defined role there with Joe Girardi, I think, will, will help his standing. Um, so someone I'm really in on right now is Nick Anderson with the Rays. I have a yeah. number 11. But to me, he, he has, like, top five closer potential. Depending on how things play out, certainly the Rays' bullpen can be unpredictable. I think Diego Castillo is still a threat there. But Emilio Pagan was traded to the Padres recently. Uh, so I think Anderson benefits quite a bit. Was dominant after coming over from the Marlins last season. Actually struck out 110 batters in 65 innings last year. Only Josh Hader had a higher strikeout percentage uh, among relievers with at least 50 innings pitched. So you know that might surprise you, and I think he can be a value 165.7 ADP in Yahoo leagues. 
Yeah, definitely a, a late bloomer at age 29, spent some time in independent ball. Uh, but we see those kinds of stories, you know, um, among relievers. They're mostly all like failed starters. Um, and yeah, Anderson was just nasty down the stretch uh, last season once he got traded at Tampa Bay. And even with the Marlins before that, um, I had Craig Kimbrell, number 11th. Uh, don't feel great about it. Yeah. Uh, 2019 was a disaster for him. Didn't sign until June because his free agency was tied to draft pick compensation. Eventually got a three-year, $43 million deal from the Cubs, but only pitched 20 and two-third innings for them. Uh, had some elbow and knee issues. Uh, just wasn't very effective when healthy either. 6.53 ERA in 23 appearances. Some bad blown saves uh, down the stretch. But he gets to turn the page now. Um, after an offseason of not worrying about where he's going to be pitching and when to pr- get properly geared up for live action, the track record is obviously there. One of the best closers of the last decade. Um, I don't know. He could be in for a rebound. I don't feel great about it. Um, but, you know, the track record's there. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you can really hope for is that you can give him a mulligan because now he gets a, he had a normal offseason, yeah. gets a full spring training to get him back on track. Uh, maybe he's not the pitcher he once was, but I think there's still quite a bit of upside there. Um, I have Sean Doolittle, 12th. Um, ADP is 164.4 on Yahoo. Had a 4.05 ERA in 63 appearances last year. His highest workload since 2014, and I think that showed up in the performance. Uh, gave up 12 runs in the span of 10 appearances between late July and mid-August. Eventually went on the injured list with knee inflammation. Came back uh, at the start of September you know, saw improvement down the stretch, was pretty good in the postseason too. Uh, to me, still the top option in this bullpen, but uh, their bullpen is a bit deeper now. Uh, Daniel Hudson uh, back. Will Harris they signed over from the Astros. So there's some depth there if do a little falters, but I still think there's quite a bit of upside too with the Nationals team, which should once again be pretty good. We both had Jose Leclerc at, at number 13, which I like because he's not even being drafted as a top 20 reliever right now on Yahoo. Um, so maybe if people have lasted this long on this podcast, they'll get some value out of it. Um, we discussed him a lot last year, especially early in the year when he was really struggling. Um, his signature pitch is that splitter that registers sometimes as a slider and has been referred to as Rangers coaches as a cut changeup. Uh, the gist is that it has like crazy movement and it's also a feel pitch. Um, and Leclerc admitted that he lost the feel for it at times in 2019. Maybe it had something to do with the seams on the baseball kind of Edwin Diaz style. Um, he didn't earn a save between April 18th and August 2nd and finished with a 4.33 ERA, but he reclaimed the ninth inning gig down the stretch and should be the guy there this season on a decent Rangers team. He was flat out amazing in 2018, like one of the best relief pitcher seasons ever. A 1.56 ERA, 85 strikeouts, only 24 hits allowed in 57 and two thirds innings of work. So when he's on, he can be as good as any reliever in baseball. Um, and if he can get anywhere back close back to that in 2020, um, the saves and the strikeouts and the ERA and the whip could all be elite. He's This will be his age 26 season, so I believe that he can do that. So rounding out my top 15, I had Alex Colomay with the White Sox. Uh, delivered a 2.80 ERA in 62 appearances last year. 30 saves as well. Now, I need to mention the underlying numbers were not great. Uh, 55 strikeouts and 22 walks in 61 innings. That just doesn't stand out in this environment of dominant relievers and and strikeouts. 
Um, the ERA estimators are, are similar, similarly skeptical on his ability to keep that up. Um, but still, the swing and strike percentage was right in line with where it was in 2018. I think the big key is here, I expect the White Sox to be a better team, sneaky good. Uh, so I think it's a good situation for saves, but one that could blow up too. Uh, so certainly a bit of risk if you're uh, selecting him as your second closer. Steve Ciszek is the obvious fallback here, but keep an eye on Aaron Bummer, who just signed that extension with the White Sox, and therefore the White Sox won't have to worry about arbitration and you know getting raises through that process with you know high saves total. So you know if Kyle May falters, I think Bummer is the one who could benefit. Archie Bradley made my top fifteen. Um, after years of teasing that he was going to take over the closer role in Arizona, he finally did down the stretch last season, racked up 18 saves between July 30th and September 27th. Also had a 2.10 ERA over that stretch, 87 strikeouts and 71 total innings for the year. Um, he's had the stuff forever, high 90s fastball, good curve, threw his changeup a bit more last season to really encouraging results. Um, 27-year-old former top starting pitching prospect, uh, should now be the locked-in closer for a Diamondbacks team that has the talent to make some noise in the NL wildcard race. So I'm going to pick a couple of pitchers that are outside of my top 15. I don't think anybody wants to talk about closers for an hour, so I'm just going <laughs> to pick a couple out there. All right, I'll, I'll pick a couple too. Okay, so Hansel Robles, I think, is a guy uh, you know with the Angels uh, that deserves a little more attention. I ranked him 19th, but honestly, I think you could say that he's going to have a better year than Alex Colomay, potentially. Uh, two six four ERA and 108 appearances since coming over from the Mets. You're welcome, everyone. In that great tradition of guys like Justin Turner and Daniel Murphy uh, benefiting getting away from the Mets, that's been the case with Hansel Robles. I think the big variable there is Joe Madden. Uh, is he going to use him as a traditional closer? You know, is he going to spot guys in and out? You know, we'll see. Uh, Madden did recently say that you know it certainly looks like Robles will be begin the year as his primary closer but I think that's the one thing we really have uh to question going into the year but uh, I think Robles can be a great value Brandon Workman uh, this time last year we were wondering what the heck the Red Sox were doing with their bullpen they declined to re-sign Craig Kimbrell after winning the World Series with him in 2018 which in which in hindsight looked like an okay move um, but the debate was whether to draft Ryan Brazier or Matt Barnes in fantasy. Right. And it, it was actually Workman who turned out to be the most valuable piece of that relief core. Uh, they only earned 33 total saves as a team somehow. Um, but Workman got 16 of them to Brazier seven, uh, Barnes with four, Marcus Walden and Heath Hembry both got two. Andrew Kashner had one. If you remember that short lived experience. Um, Workman should be the, the guy going into 2020, had a, a 1.88 ERA and 104 strikeouts and 71 and two-thirds innings last season. Um, he also issued 45 walks, though, and his ERA between 2013 and 2018 was 4.38. So there are definitely some question marks whether he's that good. Um, but if he, if he can come close to it in, in 2020, he should be a great value. So I want to talk about this Brave situation. I have Will Smith at 21. And I have Mark Melanson at 28. And that's even with sort of the declaration that Melanson is going to begin the year as the closer. Of course, Will Smith signed a three-year, $39 million deal with the Brazier in the offseason. There was kind of an assumption he would take over the closer role. But uh, again, it does appear Melanson will begin the year as the closer. Um, That's at least the plan for now. Obviously, that could change in a hurry. You sort of get it, though. 
Uh, the, Smith, the Braves could use Smith in more of a high leverage variable kind of role, seventh, eighth inning for important outs against the middle of the lineup, you know, string of left-handed batters, that kind of thing. And then bring Melanson into the game in the ninth inning with nobody on base. Um, Melanson obviously has flame-out potential, though. We saw the performance during the NLDS against the Cardinals. To me, Smith is indisputably the better pitcher here, so I think the cream will rise to the top eventually, and I think it'll be worth holding even if he doesn't have the job right away. So, you know, I think you could draft him with a pretty good degree of confidence that maybe by, even by May 1st, uh, he could be the closer there in Atlanta. I think Giovanni Gallegos is someone to watch. I have him ranked number 26 right now among relievers, but but he'll jump into the top 20 if it's confirmed that Carlos Martinez is definitely moving back into the Cardinals rotation, which it looks like he will with Miles Michaelis down with a forearm issue. Um, Andrew Miller is also being talked about as an option there at closer for the Cardinals, but Gallegos far outpitched Miller last year, far outpitched any Cardinals reliever. Uh, 2.31 ERA, 0.81 whip, 93 to 16 strikeout to walk ratio in 74 innings. Um, acquired from the Yankees in the Luke Voigt trade in mid-2018. I think he's really legit. Um, and the Cardinals should contend in 2020, even though as a fan of the team, I wish they would have added some more offense this winter. Alex Reyes could be an option there at closer in the long term, but we keep waiting for him to get healthy and to stay healthy. So I had Martin. I have Carlos Martinez twenty-two, Gallegos number twenty-three. Obviously, high hopes <laughs> for Gallegos. Uh, Ian yeah. Kennedy I have twenty-four, who was quietly very good with the Royals last year, making sixteen point five million this season. So you can understand why they were unable to trade him. Could become a trade candidate at some point this year. I have Keone Kella at twenty-five and Scott Oberg at twenty-six. Kella does look like he's going to begin the year as the closer for the Pirates. Oberg not, but I think he will be. Yeah. Yeah. The Rockies are saying that Wade Davis is going to get another shot as the team's closer, but we'll see how long that lasts. Davis allowed 41 earned runs and in 42 innings last season uh, for an ERA of 8.65. And Oberg had a, a 2.25 ERA in 56 total innings, and he had a 1.71 ERA at home in Coors Field. Um, Davis's ERA at Coors Field was in the 11s. Um, so, yeah, I think it, he, Oberg is going to be the guy. Um, I don't know. I, the Mariners bullpen, Yoshihisa Hirano, I think is someone to watch. Um, Matt McGill was the guy down the stretch for Seattle last year, but he has a career ERA of 4.52. Sam Tuivalala can maybe jump into the mix, but Hirano was really good in his first major league season in 2018 with the Diamondbacks. Stumbled a bit last year, but Seattle's a good place for for pitchers to bounce back and he has some swing and miss stuff so we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now joe jimenez with the tigers i had him 27 don't feel great about it uh i have seth lugo 29 in case edwin diaz falters i guess delon matanzas might be in that mix too uh if he's healthy you look at the marlins brandon kinsler they signed uh, they have yimi garcia there uh ryan stanick who they actually got in the nick anderson trade with the Rays. They could all be in that mix there. I'm expecting Kinsler to be the guy to begin the year. Uh, Michael Gibbons still there with the Orioles. But again, these are this is sort of bottom of the barrel. You're grabbing that closer, you know, r- yep. last round in your fantasy draft kind of thing. Yep. Um, so I think that'll do it for our pitchers, right? We made it. All right. Great. I hope you all <laughs> made it too. <laughs> yeah. That will wrap up our position breakdown series. Next week, we'll really start digging into the headlines in spring training and possible advantages to be gained there in your fantasy drafts. In the weeks to come, we'll also talk about fantasy drafts, actual drafts we've been in, analysis for that. 
good stuff still to come as you get ready for your fantasy draft. For much more analysis, be sure to get the online version of the Rotoworld Draft Guide at rotoworld.com slash mlbdraftguide. If you are enjoying what you're hearing with these episodes, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review. Let us know if you're finding these position ranking episodes useful. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short, Drew's at Drew Sill, and we'll see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.